Game 11, Cleveland Indians at Kansas City Royals, Wednesday night, August 10th, Kaufman Stadium, Kansas City, Missouri. Like watching a dying animal, to look at a dying franchise is sad, painful, and heartbreaking. Baseball is an old tradition in Kansas City dating back to the Negro League Monarchs and the A's who played a lot like the current Royals and were eventually moved to Oakland. The Royals' last hurrah was in the 80s when they won the I-70 World Series against the Cardinals after upsetting the Yankees in the playoffs. The names of Brett, White, Wilson, Saberhagen, Cuisenberry, and Amos Otis sound like royalty in Missouri. The nice, neat numbers 5, Brett, 10, White, and 20, Manager Hauser, looking trim and perfect as the Royals' squeaky clean blue and white uniforms look or the well-kept grass and dirt at Kaufman Stadium. After 20 years of mostly hopeless clubs with a tease here and there like Tony Pena's hot start as a manager before a collapse resulting in the trade of star outfielder Carlos Beltran, or even Buddy Bell's immediate success this season, the fans seem to have given up. The stadium was dead quiet during much of this game against the Indians, the kind of quiet usually heard in funeral parlors, hospitals, or libraries. Shh! Baseball is being played. The night before this, the Royals had blown a big lead in the ninth, and only 16,000 fans were willing to endure it any longer. Watching the Royals lose 6-1 to one in this game, one could understand the community's indifference. Only Mike Sweeney was left from better days, the rest of the lineup resembling a minor league club. Starting pitcher Granke looked like a baby and had very poor control, which led to his demise after only four and a third innings. He walked a batter in each of the first four innings and was constantly behind on the count, a recipe for disaster for a major league pitcher, even with a 94-mile-an-hour fastball and a nice slow-breaking ball. Zach was 3-13 and 13 with an ERA up in the sixes, soon to be 3-14. and 14. In the first, he impressively struck out Peralta and Hafner with two on, but in the second, after singles by Leifer and Boone, he fell behind 3-1 to one to the talented 23-year-old leadoff man Sizemore. Not wanting to walk in a run, he grooved a fastball that Sizemore sent flying over the right center field wall for a grand slam homer. After this, the sounds of the water from the beautiful lighted outfield water fountains made the ballpark feel as peaceful as a meditation retreat. The Royals had to deal with burly left-hander C.C. Sabathia, wearing his baggy gray road uniform and bringing 95 to 97 mile an hour heat with no discernible effort. Sabathia's control was perfect, his only walk being an intentional one, to Sweeney to load the bases in the fifth when Casey had its only real but slim chance to get back in the game. Doubles by Murphy and De Jesus cut the lead to 4-1 in the third. Brown's single and steal plus Barroa's infield hit posed a small problem in the fourth, but with bases full in the fifth, the fans were pleading for a remedy to the team's 11-game losing streak with young Emil Brown at the dish. But Brown lined sharply right at Belliard to end the threat. In fact, the Royals ran into tough luck with other hard-hit outs throughout the evening 
and were stymied by great charging-in catches by Sizemore, the game's star, on Buck in the second, and by Crisp on Ambrose during the abortive fifth-inning rally. When things are going badly, Lady Luck usually is absent as well. From the sixth inning on, the Royals managed only one base runner, Buck squibbed single to the right side in the sixth. The last 11 batters went down without any decent contact against Sabathia and tough right-handers Betancourt and Risky. The Indians, who had 13 hits in all, put together one-run innings in the sixth and eighth with Blake, Crisp, and Sizemore, who was on all five times he was up, being the main contributors. The highlights of the night for Kansas City were reliever camp didn't pitch too badly in three and two-thirds innings of hard work. Second baseman Murphy handled eight routine chances flawlessly. DeJesus hit two doubles, and nobody got injured. One can hardly consider these as highlights. The frustrated skipper of Kansas City, Buddy Bell, taking another thankless job after years with the lowly Rockies, vented his frustration late in the game when he tried to push for a batter to be called out for hitting the ball twice. The ump didn't buy it and thumbed Bell quickly, causing a dugout explosion of overturned chairs flinging around whatever was nearby. But the Royals went down to their 12th straight defeat nonetheless, tying a franchise record and bringing to mind the fortuitous Montreal move to Washington. Could we see the Portland Royals sooner than later? Hopefully things will turn around because Kansas City is a great city with nice people, fans who like baseball, and a good ballpark. But things can't go much lower for a team than the Royals have gone this year. Postscript. The Royals' losing streak went to 18 but didn't break the all-time record. But the team has some serious soul-searching to do if they want to even stay in business. The Indians, as we said later, played tough all through the year, and we look forward to seeing their youth get even better next year. That's a wrap for this incredible road trip of baseball. 11 games in 11 days, and who knows how many miles. My thanks to Art Landy for sharing some of his insights into the events through this podcast. If you have not heard all the episodes, you can get them from the iTunes Music Store or from artlandy.com slash podcasts. That's artlandy.com, L-A-N-D-E. My name is Russ Schisler, and it has been my pleasure to be your pseudo-host and producer of The Baseball Trip Podcast. Tell all your friends and fellow fans about The Baseball Trip at artlandy.com where they can subscribe to Where's Art, his weekly calendar of musical performances.